0: And learning that if I hold back, they'll hold back too. So it's mutual accountability and responsibility to one another. That yes, we are pastors, but we're also members too. And that we need one another. If you will, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. We were talking the other day about having no notes when we go into a message. It's dangerous. Um, I have just a few quick notes, so just y'all, y'all be prepared. Um, I don't have a water pistol, so there is, water. is there a bottle of water? I can just poke a hole in the top of it. I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter nine. I covered this back at Banner a couple, a couple of months ago, and I think it's an apt, uh, topic to, to go over. Go over some examples in the scripture regarding the faith of those who are sick. Starting in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, he says, Getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought him to a paralytic lying on a bed, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said unto themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So, I always make the statement, we like to place parameters on an infinite power, infinitely powerful God. When our God has no box or authority, we try to put our God into a box to fit our needs. But really what it is is we need to quit placing limitations on what God can do and allow Him to work through us. This man here had faith and believed that he would be healed and he was healed. And the people around him were in disbelief. What is disbelief? It means that you don't believe. Or that you have doubt. The absence of faith is doubt. But I found it easier that this man accepted what Jesus said to him and he got up and walked. And these people in their hearts said, Who is this man that has this authority? Who blasphemes? They had already reached judgment in their own minds and their hearts towards this Jesus of Nazareth who told this man to get up and walk. I think about... Recently, in recent history, we all know Sister Judy and Sister Melody are going through their bouts with their health. And if nothing else, that has given me more hope that our God is able to heal us when we call on Him in faith. Sister Judy and Sister Melody, they've done such that they rely on God for that. And you see the fruit of that. So, if we can't be healed, then who are we placing limitations on? We can't place limits on an infinitely powerful, all-knowing God. We just need to have faith like these people that were sick that says, "Lord, Lord, take care of this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, this, make sure you're fine. I did. Okay, good. No, you're fine. We'll start there at verse 1. It says When Jesus had finished giving instruction to the twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by the disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, and shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you've heard and seen. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So John asked us, Is this the expected one? Jesus' response was, you go tell him that this is what's happening. Of course, he was locked up and couldn't see for himself. But we see in the account of the Scripture that, again, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up. We know the account of Lazarus. We know about the account of the ten lepers. The one, the ten were healed, and guess what? The only one came back. He's like, "Where are your, where are your brethren there?" They went off to live their life. They didn't give the thanks that God that God deserved, and we should have given that particular account. But the one came back rejoicing. It was still good to see that one rejoice. These people were sick that we read in a lot of these accounts. And guess what? They come back and they gave honor and glory to God. What are we going to do that are well? I know I say well, but I have all my health problems too. But I give thanks to God for my health. What are we giving thanks to God for? What are we placing our faith in? Are we placing our faith in God or our faith in men? I was talking to Brother Campbell yesterday and he was talking about doctors. He says, doctors give the Lord gives the doctors wisdom, doesn't he, brother? They may think that they're smart, but God gives them that wisdom. He can take it away too. Just the same as he can take away our health and vitality. You guys, we serve the maker of the universe. We don't serve the maker of the chicken and waffles down at the Chick-fil-A. I know, I'm I'm a little punny. Y'all bear with me. The older I get, the more dad jokes I have. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Again, y'all figure out that I'm fond of verse 1's, that y'all are already acquainted with that. Y'all have heard me for several years. So it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed Him, and a leper came to Him and bowed down before Him and said, Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. What a profound statement. If You're willing, I can be clean. Jesus stretched out His hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, See that you tell no one, but go show yourselves to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came uh, came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to be uh, come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For also am a, am a man under authority with soldiers under me and say, go one, uh, this one go and this one another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And said to those who were following him, Truly I say to you that I have found no such great faith within any one in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in this place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant has healed that very moment. That ought to give us some pause right there. Two different accounts there. You have a man that was full of leprosy, and he says, Be cleansed, and he says, You just will it, I'll be I'll be clean. And what happened? He was clean. Again, we place limitations on a limitless God who is able to keep, uh, to deliver us from the problems that we face. He's able to heal us of all of our afflictions. And He's able to deliver us unto salvation if we'll do it. But what He does not do is allow us to be lifted up and put ourselves above our station in life in this world. These people come to God through Christ humbly asking to be healed. And I can't even ask ask the Lord to heal my sleep apnea at night because I'm sometimes afraid of that. That ought to give us pause, brethren. When I read these scriptures, I'm greatly conflicted about how it is that I serve God. And it should all of us. Because in our arrogance, we can be blinded. It's not too far away. We see the account in the Scriptures there about these brethren that thought Jesus wasn't the Lord. They had the prophecy, the prophets, great teachers, greatest minds in all Judaism. But guess what? They couldn't see it. Only a small portion saw it. Why? Because they clanged to the doctrines and precepts of men. What are we clinging to? We cling to the doctrine of dead men. That's not going to get us anywhere. Instead, how about we look at the Scripture with fresh eyes and hearts and minds and look at what the Lord would have us to do. Examine traditions we've held for years that have no basis in Scripture. Put aside dogma and doctrine for the gospel of God. And maybe we might be healed as a people. Mentioned it yesterday, we wonder about our numbers and our size and our dwindling congregations. We let the world do things better than we do. What did these people seek for the Lord to heal them? They put their faith in God and they humbled themselves and asked for healing. Sometimes the healing is not what we want. I didn't see these people sit here wallowing in self-pity. Of course, I wasn't there. But the centurion came to him and said, heal my servant. Jesus like, all right, let's go see him. He goes, nope, you're not coming to my house. Wow. I'm not worthy. You just say it and it'll be done. What did Jesus say? I've not found so much greater faith in all of Israel. His own disciples thought they were going to die in a storm. And what did Jesus say? The, well, can the Lord, deliver us from this storm. And what did he say? You have little faith. They didn't have the faith it took to get them through the storm. They had to rely on Jesus. Shocking factor there, isn't it? That we have to rely on the Lord to get us through our difficulties in life. Because just like Brother Josh said, there is a wave that's going to keep coming and coming and coming. We have had one thing after another come up since Don and I got married. The only thing, the only constant thing in our life that has kept us going is our God and you people here. It could have been easy to lay down when we found out our daughter was sick. That she was going to have a condition that we didn't know with what certainty would leave us in life. We could have gotten scared when we were supposed to move 900 miles away because this is the only thing we've ever known. Or at least I have. Donna's moved around. She helped me through that process. Facing uncertainty in jobs, economy, this world. Where do we place our faith and our trust? Who's able to heal us? Jesus says nobody else is certainly going to deliver us. somebody asked me you think they'll be able to cure your daughter I don't want my daughter cured the Lord made her the way she's supposed to be because she he had something to teach us would I want her to have the difficulties that she's faced no but the Lord has delivered her each and every time and us through it And it's given us every opportunity to talk about how good our God is and how good His people is. But brethren, it ain't me. It's God. let look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Again, verse 1. You're going to get tired of me reading from verse 1 probably. It says, After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a, a pool, which in the Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos, in these lay a multitude of those who were sick and blind and lame and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters for an angel of the Lord Went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the waters. And whoever went then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in it was made a we- made, Excuse me, woo, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, "Do you wish to get well?" The sick man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was at the Sabbath day, so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, it is not permissible for one to carry your pallet. But he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, "Pick up your pallet and walk." But the man who was healed did not know. Uh, the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while the crowd was there in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, said, and said to him, "Behold, you have become well. Do no sin, uh, uh, no sin any so that nothing worse happens to you." The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus. Who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. So again, we have the account of a man who was paralyzed, who couldn't take care of himself. He sat, sat by this pool for 38 years trying to get healed because he wanted to get into the water. By no mistake, Jesus happens upon him and says, do you want to be well? I don't know about you, but somebody asked me if I wanted to be well. I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to be well. Jesus didn't say who he was. He just said, get up, take up your pallet and walk. And yet those sorry lot stood there and said, it's not permissible to move your palate. That was kind of his home. He, would, he had been there for 38 years. We know on the Sabbath they weren't permitted to labor, according to Jewish custom. And they asked him, who holds you? He says, I don't know. I just, he just told me to get up and walk and I'm going. It's understood there that that man had faith that he could be healed. He understood Lord could heal him. And then when he ran into Jesus again, he says, what did he say? He says, found him in the temple. And he said, behold, you have become well. Do no sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Then the man went and told the Jews. Do you think he intended for Jesus to be persecuted because he'd been healed? I don't think so. They'd ask him a question and he answered it. But the subject is not this latter part here, but it's the faith of the man that desired to be healed. We talk about miracles and, you know, the things that happen. The Lord's able to deliver us even now. And that delivering comes through trusting in the Lord, committing yourself to serving Him. Becoming a part of the church after you've been baptized, and then working out your faith with salvation, your faith with fear and trembling. I can't speak today, apparently. So, what is it that we're given to do? We're given to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, having faith in God. Can we accomplish faith with doubting? No. We said earlier, doubting is the absence of faith. Look at John chapter 9. Verse 1 there, he says, "...and he passed by, and he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus said, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents." But it was so that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who has sent me as long as it is the day. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made the clay of spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool at Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbor and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who was used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes open? And he answered, And the man who called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight, and they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who was formerly blind, and now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees were also asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed and I see Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there were divisions among them and so they said to the blind man again what do you say about him? And he opened your eyes and he said he is a prophet. And the Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received sight. And questioned them, saying, Is this your son who you say were born blind? And then how does he see, not now see? And his parents answered and said to them, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he sees now we do not know. Or who opened his eyes we do not know. ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. And parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For reasons, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. I won't read any further down there. You get the gist of that. They were scared of these people who had authority. Why do you think Jesus said, Fear not what men can do to you? What are they can do? They can only take your life. This is. Not the life that we want to live the rest of rest of eternity, is it? We want to be with God, right? Parents missed the point. They were scared of men, but the man's like, he just said, "Put the cloud in my eyes, go wash, and I'm going to be healed." He believed it, so he did it. So. What was the problem here? The Pharisees, the, the, the these these Pharisees around him were upset because he was doing something on the Sabbath day. This is a holy day; you can't work, you can't do anything. Can't go get your ox out of a ditch. You can't do this. You can't do that. What was Jesus doing? He was doing the will of the Father, demonstrating His power through this act. It wasn't just to anyone, it was to those who believed. But that act demonstrating that he could clean them who had faith was a demonstration to those who didn't have faith for an example that they might see Jesus at work. Those Jewish brethren missed the point. Jesus kept the Sabbath he kept it made a hope. he observed it he was doing only what was required and necessary by God because he was serving God as a chief example for those who would follow after him brethren the Lord doesn't ask us to do anything greatly, greatly difficult Keeping His commandments are not burdensome. Scripture talks about His yoke is easy. Is it inconvenient to the flesh? Absolutely. I could fish on Sunday. I could go work a garden on Sunday. I could do a lot of things. I could take my girls out to the mountain and look at the pretty sights but I desire to serve God. Even if it is inconvenient to the flesh. Because, again, we shouldn't seek to do this for an opportunity at forever, should we? We should do it because we love God. And we seek to please God. And it is my desire that I have enough faith for God to heal me of what ails me and to be able to demonstrate that or even heal those that are afflicted even now besides myself. But the Lord can do those things. I've watched it. I've seen it. We've seen too many brothers and sisters, those that have been healed. There's no explanation in the medical world for it. But we should still praise God for it, and believe that He's able to do those things. I'm not worried about if the economy will fail or if U.S. government will die or what what, what will happen. We shouldn't be scared of those things, brother. We know the Scripture talks about those things are going to happen. What is it I read? Most republics don't last for more than two or three hundred years. It's inevitable it's going to happen sometime. But where is our faith placed? Is it placed in the government or is it placed in our God? Is it placed in a few pills that we take? Where does our faith lie? He's able to heal us. Whatever the ailment is, physical, spiritual, mental... But the point is is that having faith in God is what we need. How we face that place that faith appropriately because our faith is required in service to God. Without it, there isn't any service. That's all I have for you this this morning. Again, thank you for the opportunity to speak. I feel like I had a double blessing to speak twice. pleasure to be with you all and for y'all to have the opportunity for us to come and be with y'all thank brother Grant for helping us out too he's been a great help we are 18 hours away from one another and we see each other every week and we talk on the phone at least once a week other than that don't we thank God for technology and we've got hard work to do where we're at you guys have got hard work here. Each place has a different burden that we have placed on us dealing with the areas we're in. It has a different barrier or different difficulty. But these things are able to be handled by our God. So let's commit those things to our Lord because He takes care of those. We don't have to worry about it. And thank you, the, the brethren there, send their love and their greetings and wish that they could be here. And uh, we ask that you pray for us, not only for for um, just our health and well-being, but we ask for prayers for our growth, spiritually speaking. Uh, we pray for that for you all here. You guys are called weekly. Um, and we love you dearly. Some of them haven't ever met you guys, and they still love you. And that's the only thing the Lord, Lord uses. So... Maybe there will be many more years of fellowship to come. Unless the Lord returns before then. Thank you, brethren. I appreciate it.